0: Would you open your Bible to the book of Romans and for just a few moments we want to look at what God is saying in this marvelous and precious book. We have already studied chapters 1 and 2 and 3 and 4. Now we didn't exhaust those studies we just looked at them and previewed them and sort of gave the I'll ask the Holy Spirit to give us some understanding of what what he was trying to say to us. In chapter 1, the theme was the Gentiles have sinned. They had the light, they sinned against the light they knew, and God gave them up. Instead of worshiping the creator they worship the created being and God gave them up to all kinds of confusion and that's what's happening in America tonight confusion confusion because instead of worshiping the Lord God we're bowing at the altar of humanism in chapter 2 the Jews had the very oracles of God they had Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. But they also sinned against what they knew was right. They sinned against the oracles of God. And in Genesis chapter, in Romans chapter 3, the Holy Spirit leads Paul to say there is no difference. No difference between the Jew and the Gentile. There's no difference between men and women. There's no difference between young and old. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And then he talks about the blood propitiatory offering. It comes in chapter 4. He gives the illustration of Abraham and he says that's how you get saved. Abraham believed God and that confidence, that faith, that belief was counted to him for righteousness. We come to chapter 5, now in a few days we'll be studying chapters 6, 7, 8, and 9, 10, and 11. If you want an outline of this book, the introduction and theme would be in chapter 1, verses 1 to 17. The first division, chapter 1, through chapter 3, verse 20, the whole world is guilty before God for all of sin. Chapter 321 through chapter 521, justification is by faith in the Lord Jesus. And when we come to chapter 6, 7, and 8, we deal with sanctification through union with Christ in his death. Those are the precious jewels. I hope you'll not miss the study when we come to chapters 6, 7, and 8 in Romans. We previewed this. In training Union a few weeks ago We're going to deal with it in the pulpit and then chapters 9 through 11 The problem of Jewish unbelief and the time of the Gentiles and the restoration of the Jews and Then in chapters 12 through 15 the Christian life service Paul begins that section with Romans 12.1 We beseech you therefore brethren every time you see the word therefore you need to ask yourself what is the therefore therefore. That whole section deals with some some obligations and responsibilities on the basis of the premises that he's already given us. And then the last part the outflow of Christian law. Now tonight I want to just give you a, a couple of nuggets of gold from chapter 5 verse 1 and I hope you'll mark these in your Bible chapter 5 verse 1 you see the word therefore every time you see that kind of a word therefore wherefore and so on ask what it means why is that there what does that mean what is the word therefore therefore well chapter 5 is being connected with chapter 4 and in chapter 1 he said the Gentiles of sin chapter 2 the Jews of sin chapter 3 the whole world is guilty before God chapter 4 there's only one way out and that's the way of faith and Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness so what did he believe he believed what God said now that whole chapter dealt with faith faith in the shed blood of Christ Faith in what Christ accomplished for us on the cross we come to chapter 5 he says therefore and I want to just look at the first two or three verses therefore being justified by faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. That's all we'll go through tonight, those two verses. Now look at them carefully. Therefore, there are four great promises to the one who is saved right there. Number one, we are justified by faith. The word justify means just as if we'd never sinned. You can hear justified, justified, just as if, just as if. You can hear that in there. That means therefore we are justified because of what he said in chapter 4. Because of faith. Therefore we are justified by faith. That means we're not justified by works. Now that has a whole galaxy of meaning. If we were justified by works, when we quit working we'll be unjustified. We'll not be justified in longer. If we're justified by what the church did to us, the church could kick us out. And we wouldn't be justified in law. But we're justified by faith. And if you read carefully and compare Scripture with Scripture, we read in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, Therefore, by, by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. That faith is not even of yourselves. It's the gift of God. So the fact that God lodged faith in our hearts... We don't have anything to brag about. We can't say, well, look, boy, I'm a man of faith. Look how good I am. Here's somebody over here, they're not a man of faith. God has told us to go out and fling the story at them. W.K. Wood used to say, fling the gospel at them. If that don't get them, God don't want them. <laughs> God wants us to go out and give people the, the word of God. Tell them about Jesus. Give them an opportunity to place their confidence and faith in Christ. Spurgeon used to say, I believe in election and predestination, but I give an open invitation. He said, I don't know who the elect are. And so I'm under obligation to give everybody the gospel. And God's going to take care of being sure that nobody comes that isn't the elect. Of course, the point is, anybody that comes is the elect. We're chosen in Christ. And when you come to Christ, you're chosen in Him. Therefore, being justified by faith. We are justified, just as if we've never sinned because of what Jesus did and our placing our trust in Him. So number two, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have a peace with God. There's a peace in my heart that the world cannot give. Now, before we were saved, there's a wall of separation between our heart and God. That wall is sin. But in Christ at Calvary, the wall was torn away. Christ died for us. And he made peace possible. So when you come to Christ and put your trust in him, you have peace with God. There are several kinds of peace spoken in the scripture. One is the peace of God. We'll talk about that at another time. This is the peace with God. That means there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Number three. Verse 2, by whom we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. That means we have a prayer line direct to heaven. That prayer line is never busy. Did you ever try to buzz somebody on the telephone you get buzz, 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 and you can't get through and you hang up and you try again in 30 seconds. Try again in 30 seconds, you get impatient, you can't get through, and you finally hang the receiver up and say, well, I just can't do it. You never have to be like that with God. You can always get directly to God. Always. In the loneliest night. In the busiest day. In the darkest hour. We can get to God. What a birthright. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything. You got something on your heart tonight? some burden, you can take sorrow to the Lord, he'll take care of it. You can take loneliness to the Lord, he'll take care of it. You can take financial problems and worry. Students, you're having problems with your grades, take that to the Lord. Having problems at home, try prayer. Just get on their knees and repent and pray and ask God to help. He is a very present help in time of trouble. We can pray about everything and anything, at any time, anywhere. And then the last great truth. We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We have all of this in heaven too. We're justified by faith. We have peace with God. We have a telephone line to heaven. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. There's something better coming. Something wonderful coming. We have not arrived John Dewey was a great educator I, there are many things he said that I don't agree with but he said one thing that I've always agreed with he said it's better to travel than to arrive and you know the Christian is always traveling we've never arrived if you think you've arrived and you're in the station you're going to be disappointed because the conductor will probably say your trains not ready on back and get busy again we've not arrived but one day we will arrive I like the song that sounds of joy sing life is like a mountain railroad with an engineer that's brave we must make the run successful from the cradle to the grave and how do you do that keep your hand upon the throttle and your eye upon the rail and the scripture says we have we have We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. The word hope in Scripture, please mark this in your heart. The word hope in Scripture is not the word wish or desire. You know, sometimes you say, well, I hope I get to go to town tomorrow. Or I hope I can go to Nashville. Or I hope I can go make that trip to Jerusalem. Or I hope I get a million dollars. I wish I had this or that or the other. And those are all thoughts that come through our mind, they're valid thoughts, but that's not what this means at all. The word hope in scripture is the word for assurance. It means I have that blessed hope in my soul. You remember Dr. Lee told us that one of the songs that he loved very much was Whispering Hope. He said the first time he ever saw the girl that he married, she was singing Whispering Hope, and he said my heart whispered hope. All hope is a steadfast and sure anchor. That's what Hebrews says. I throw my hope right out into the presence of God, and my anchor is a steadfast hope. It is an assurance. And this scripture says we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Someday the silver cord will break, and I no more as now shall sing, but all the joy when I shall wake within the palace of my king. I shall see him face to face and tell the story saved by grace. Now listen to me tonight. How many of the things we worry about will seem so unimportant when we get home? How many of the things that are on our minds tonight that have caused us to fret and toss and be upset and be anxious and worry and wring our hands and have sleepless nights and, and, uh, and so on? How many of those things, when we stand before the Lord in the presence of Jesus, yeah, those things all fade away into pale into insignificance. But do you know we can have that blessed hope right now? Tell it to Jesus. Tell it to Jesus. Do the tears flow down your cheeks unbidden? Tell it to Jesus. You've got some serious anxiety in your life tonight it to Him and rejoice in the hope of the glory. May we pray? Every head bowed and eyes closed for just a moment. What a wonderful truth from the Word of God! How precious these four wonderful promises to the believer. If you're not a believer you've never received Christ as your Savior would you open your heart to him now just whisper come in Lord Jesus I need you I want you I invite you to come in and be my personal Lord and Savior I want us to sing that song I have a Savior He's pleading in glory, a dear, loving Savior, though earth friends be few. Brother Bob Kubosh would you find that song and be ready to leave it in a moment? Now, while we wait for the Lord, wait before him, would you just now put your burden over on Jesus? Whether it's the burden of sin, the burden of guilt, maybe it's the burden of anxiety, the burden of fear. Burden of some question, the burden of some misunderstanding. Oh my, how misunderstandings burden our hearts. And then pride takes over and we can't hardly bring ourselves to go and ask forgiveness. Take that to Jesus too. And ask him to cleanse. As the organ begins to play, I have a savior. Would you talk to Jesus from your heart? Our Father, we pray that just now, there comes spiritual refreshment to your people. Somebody who has never been saved would open his heart to Christ. Every believer would say, Lord, I love you. And I want to place upon you those hurts and anxieties and fears and worries. I thank you. I'm saved by grace. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. May we stand, please. I have a Savior. He's pleading in glory. A dear, loving Savior. Though earth's friends be few. And as we sing this, as we sing this beautiful song, let let me ask you to do this. First of all, if you're not sure you're saved, you you may have come into the congregation tonight, and you're not positive. You're a child of God Would you come and let us just pray with you? Show you from the Bible how to know Christ and if you are saved Are you serving have you followed him in baptism? That's the next thing God wants every Christian to do and Then if you're serving the Lord Are you carrying a big bundle of worries and anxieties and fears and terrible burdens on your heart? Take that to Jesus. You may be able to do it standing right where you are. Maybe God will lead you to come and kneel at the altar. But let's just sing two stanzas of this great song while we sing it. You do what Jesus tells you to do.